Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's Oh, man, Hammer, it just seems like yesterday we were talking about House Majority Whip, Whip, Tom Emmer, Congressman Emmer from, I believe, Minnesota. He was all set to be the GOP nominee, and they were going to vote for him for House Speaker. And before they could even do anything yesterday, just during our show, just dropped out. They were going to have the vote for this guy. Right. And uh, all of a sudden just said, nah, nah, no thanks. Now, you know why that is. He sucked. (laughs) And I can't stress this enough. I believe it was the great Homer Simpson talking about his bowling team that said, and I quote, I've seen teams suck before, but he was the suckiest bunch of suck that's ever sucked. Well, and the thing is, I feel like Donald Trump here with all the stuff he's going through is still the kingmaker there in the Republican Party because he is quoted as saying uh, Emmer was totally out of touch with Republican voters. He was the the swampy. I mean, even Kevin McCarthy was like, "Eh, this guy's kind of swamp creature. <laughs> now, what were we talking about yesterday? Wanted to get, you know, had at one point said he wanted to do away with the Electoral College. Right. He, Kevin McCarthy and Mitt Romney look at that guy <laughs> and go, man, you are a swamp monster. Goodness gracious. So, uh, that being said, we do have a new House Speaker from out of nowhere. Republican Conference Vice Chair Mike Johnson, Congressman out of Louisiana, is the new Speaker of the House after a vote earlier today. Unanimous Republican votes. Uh, I believe the final tally was 220 to 209. Hey, man, he got everybody to vote for him, which I didn't think we would see everybody vote one way at all. In terms of Republicans, right? Right, right. Democrats locked in. They loved election denier Hakeem Jeffries. Can't get enough of him. They wanted it to be Speaker election denier. But the Republicans... You had a group of folks, some would call them the Gang of Eight, Matt Gates and his Freedom Caucus folks, against a lot of establishment people. And for a while, it was just a little back and forth, because there's no reason why Jim Jordan should not have been voted in as the Speaker. But the establishment folks were so ticked off, they voted against him for spite, basically. But today, I think they finally realized if we don't have a Speaker of the House, Joe Biden's ridiculous bullcrap spending bills are going to get passed through without any sort of opposition. So I think that's where we're at today. I'm good with uh, Johnson. I'm fine with him. Um, Not everybody is going to love him, but it's a hell of a lot better than Kevin McCarthy. And boy, you dodged a bullet by getting rid of that bum Emmer. And by the way, you know who else likes the new speaker? The kingmaker, Donald Trump. Mike Johnson's going to do really well. He's popular. He's smart. He's sharp. He's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be a fantastic speaker. Oh. Put the crown on the head right there. Uh, it just It's so weird, though, this whole thing. We've been talking about it for three weeks. The Congress went three whole weeks without a speaker, and somehow we survived Hammer. Now it's Mike Johnson. He's been elected for that position. But at one point during the past three weeks, it seemed like they were looking for anybody for the gig. And when I say me, anybody, I mean anybody. Here is even Listen to this commercial Congress has been running up until today. 
If you have experience in herding cats, ever supervised a radio station community Easter egg hunt, or regularly <laughs> participate in family fistfights over politics at Thanksgiving dinner, you may have what it takes to be Speaker of the House. <laughs> the House of Representatives is hiring. As Speaker, you'll get to work with D.C.'s finest, like the Jewish space laser lady and the one who does hand stuff in a crowded theater. And you'll get a sweet gavel that you can just go to town with. Kind of like the lady in the theater. Plus, oh. you can say the word caucus as much as you want. Caucus, 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 okay. caucus. If you're old and white, that's a definite plus. So apply today and speak for America as America's next Speaker of the House. Caucus. <laughs> An actual commercial Congress was running looking for a Speaker of the House. So congratulations to Mike Johnson of Louisiana. Johnson. Now get to work. Uh, meanwhile, the Australian Prime Minister is at the White House today playing grab ass with Hair Sniff McGee and made a little speech earlier today. And Joe Biden did. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden made a little speech earlier today, and I believe he was trying to channel Neil Armstrong's iconic speech yes. from when he landed on the moon. Right. Take a listen to this. Something just doesn't sound right. Nearly 55 years ago, American astronauts took humanity's first step on the moon. They sent a message forever etched in history. Quote, that's one small step for man and one giant step for mankind. <laughs> Narrator. That's not the quote. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on. You mean Joe Biden botched something? This is my shocked face right here. Right here. One small, I believe it's one small step for man, one, one giant, giant leap. For, for man. mankind. He said one small step, one giant step. So he's butchered the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> he's butchered an iconic moment oh. in this nation's history with Neil Armstrong. But he got 80-plus million votes, Nige. All legal. And if you have any questions about that, you're going to Guantanamo. Now, after the little <laughs> meeting, after they got together and you know had some shrimp on the Barbie and watched Crocodile Dundee together... <laughs> They spoke to the press afterwards, and Joe Biden, one of the rare occasions where he takes questions. Now, he didn't take many, but he took a few. Here he is talking about American hostages. Obviously, they're in jeopardy. The question is whether or not there's any way of getting them out. If we can get them out, we should get them out. Okay, I agree with you. Can you elaborate a little bit more? But the reporters, again, hand-picked reporters, people he was told to call on, did not offer any sort of pushback at all. Now, I want to remind you something. PBS, the public broadcast system, they function because of your tax dollars. Okay, like here on this radio station, you may disagree with our opinions, but Nigel and I, we're not news people, right? John Herrick and Donnie and Harrison in the back, they're news people. They're going to give you the facts. We are hosts. We give our opinions. PBS has activists acting like news reporters, and you are paying for this. Listen to this question from this PBS reporter. 
Mr. President, thank you. If I may, I have a breaking news question and then an Israel one. First, uh, after 22 days, House Republicans just elected Mike Johnson of Louisiana as the Speaker of the House. Johnson advocated conspiracy theories about voting machines and a rigged election in 2020. He encouraged his colleagues to join a lawsuit to invalidate the results of four states. So if you win re-election in 2024, are you worried that a Speaker Johnson would again attempt to overturn the election? <laughs> Such a loaded piece of crap how, right there. How would, how would the Speaker overturn the election? Right. And to his credit, I can't believe I'm even saying this, Joe Biden, of all people, thought that was a stupid question. And he basically responded, <laughs> the last election wasn't overturned. After like six or seven lawsuits, I feel pretty confident that nothing's going to happen moving forward. But this lunatic got another question. In the 18 days since Hamas, Hamas killed 1,400 Israelis, the Hamas-controlled Gaza Health Ministry says Israeli forces have killed over 6,000 Palestinians, including 2,700 chil children. You've previously asked Netanyahu to minimize civilian casualties. Do these numbers say to you that he is ignoring that message? What they say to me is I have no notion that Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. So her question is basically, are you mad at Israel yeah. for fighting back? And again, I can't believe this bizarro world that we're living in. The voice of reason here was Joe Biden. Why should we believe anything the Palestinians are saying right now? So that's just a little glimpse of what happened today with that press conference. Activists acting like news reporters and you, my friends, paying for it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. The Ugly Booze News, because it's really fun. Oh, it's it's a ham ray worker at China's Tsingtao Brewery. You ever had Tsingtao uh, beer? China's biggest, uh, I think it's their second largest brewery, their beer. I don't believe I have. Huge export. Um, I think they got a brewery in, it's either Hong Kong or South Korea. Anyway. They, a worker at the brewery was caught on camera urinating into one of the beer tanks. Oh, come on. <laughs> I expect that kind of behavior from Bud Light, but not the fine <laughs> folks at Sing Tao. <laughs> Unacceptable. It's so gross. I mean, talk about you know your brew with natural ingredients, right? <laughs> right. Hammer and Nigel Records. <laughs> We've come up with a little tribute uh, for the guy that was urinating into the beer tanks there at the brewery, and we were kind of in a like a, a David Bowie sort of mood. Oh. Zip up your pants. <laughs> this is a bodily plan. You know that you're really rank. You better step on back before you fall in the tank. Don't be in it, man, because nobody wants to drink it. You're whizzing in the brewery. It's yellow with foam, and I ain't talking the brewski. You're whizzing in the brewery. It ain't right. <laughs> little uh, suffragette city uh, tribute there the thing um, is man 
I still bet that beer was better than that god-awful maple bacon moonshine that we tried the final week you were gone. Oh, really? Boy, that was you gotta bad. You got to be kidding me. It was bad. What was wrong with it? It tasted like crap. <laughs> I know, I but mean, was like, it too maple? Like, too much... I mean, I can't eat anything with maple and bacon. That sounds very strange coming from your mouth. I know, I know, but I tried it, man, and like that's been like the only moonshine that we've sampled where I've been like... Just pour that out. Yeah, yeah. I set it in the uh, kitchen, the universal kitchen area, and yeah. I guess if you mix it with coffee, it's not bad, but I'm not a coffee drinker. But Allison and I were talking about this. It feels like bacon really jumped the shark there for a little while. Like, I don't like bacon on my donuts. I don't like bacon and ice cream. I don't like bacon in the moonshine. Now, I love bacon. Hot damn, I will sit down and eat the bejesus out of some bacon. Extra crispy, for sure. But, yeah, I just want the bacon. I don't want it, you know, in sugar or dipped in chocolate or anything like that. Allison, do you like your bacon extra crispy or floppy? Oh. (laughs) Uh, I would say an in-between, a very specific in-between. I can't do the chewy, floppy bacon. I mean, give me the carcinogens. I want them soaking into my stomach. I want, it, I want it burnt. Now, if the only bacon available was like the softer, floppy version, <laughs> would you still eat it? No, because it's like it's kind of it's hard to like, especially on a sandwich, like under Subway. I don't like their bacon really because it, no, it, but like let's say you're at a hotel and you go down and they've got the continental breakfast yeah, lined no, up, I'm right? Eat it. And you yeah. open it up and there's the little container and it's no. bacon, but it's a little nah. floppier. I'm good. Okay. Good. Meanwhile, a, a dad in Connecticut called the cops to report his kid went missing after he popped into a grocery store. And they weren't in the car when he got back, which was very scary. Right. For any parent. You go to the grocery store and maybe bring your kids with you. I don't know. Maybe that would have been an option. But there's a little wrinkle to the story, Hammer. Turns out this guy was just drunk and didn't realize he forgot his kids at home. <laughs> he was obviously arrested on several charges. Okay, several charges is interesting to me. So it sounds like he was drunk and driving, right? Probably so that's throwing a DUI in there. So yeah. that's a problem. But what else are you charging with? It's not a crime to keep somebody home away from your drunk ass. I mean, child neglect. I don't know how old the kids were. Right. Uh, I mean, if you're leaving your two-year-old at home by themselves, yeah, you're probably uh, they're probably going into child protective services, right? But that is funny. But if they're like. 10, 12, like, I don't know. You're starting to get into a little bit of a gray area there. Ah, yeah, that's something different for sure. But, but you know, showing up and calling the cops because you thought your kids were in your car when you actually left them at home. My, a buddy of mine, I don't know if I've told this story or not, back in the day, Radio Now Day, a guy I used to work with, um, Marco, we've had him on the show. He, he had moved from the west side to Fishers, right? And we were partying in Broad Ripple one night. He got a cab back home. He's pounding on the door can't get back in i mean he's just looking all around and his neighbor walks out at three o'clock in the morning 
Hey, you moved, dumbass. He, went, <laughs> he took the cat out. <laughs> he, 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 he went to his old house? <laughs> and his neighbor, oh, it's so funny. I'll never forget that story as long as I live. Yeah, he took, went to his old house on the west side. Luckily, they changed the locks. He couldn't get in, but he was pounding on the door and shouting. And finally, his next door neighbor, you moved, you dumbass. <laughs> Is that the best ever? He's lucky that it wasn't Guy Relford's right. house. <laughs> exactly. Because that would have been a very different ending, I think, to that story. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. More on the uh, local mayoral election here in Indianapolis in just a moment. But uh, the big mad orange man, Donald Trump, is very upset. Lashing out at his former chief of staff. Remember Mark Meadows? Oh, yeah. Mark Meadows was just granted immunity. A lot of, me- a lot of people in this uh, election... Um, oh, you know, this this uh, criminal case f- for efforts to overturn the 2020 election, uh, making plea deals. Jenna Ellis, uh, these lawyers down in Georgia. Right. Um, now, Mark Meadows, who, again, former chief of staff, was granted immunity in exchange for his cooperation in this in this case against Trump and his efforts to, you know, I, I call it questioning the 2020 election. Right. They're calling it effort, efforts to overturn the election. What's interesting to me is that the prosecution in the state of Georgia, they filed charges against all of these people. You cannot be trusted with these people. These people are liars. They tried to overthrow an election. We're charging them with racketeering. You cannot believe a word they say. Until we give them a plea deal, and then you have to listen to every word they say as they turn on Donald Trump. It's like Sidney Powell was one of the lawyers down there that was like one of the architects of the Stop the Steal mantra. And depending on how much access she had to Donald Trump and the inner circle there and what was going on, I don't know, it could be trouble for Trump. Or then again, it might not mean anything for Donald Trump. We don't know just because these people are cutting plea deals. Right. Here, let me, Donald Trump has responded to Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff, um, on True Social. And here to read that response is Alvin. Get up there, little guy. Alvin. There he is. uh, Alvin in the Chipmunks. Here to read Donald Trump's response. I don't think Mark Meadows would lie about the rigged and stolen presidential election merely for getting immunity against deranged prosecutor Jack Smith. But when you really think about it, after being hounded like a dog for three years, told you'll be going to jail for the rest of your life, your money and your family will be forever gone, and we're not at all interested in exposing those that did the rigging. If you say bad things about that terrible monster, Donald J. Trump, we won't put you in prison. And perhaps we may very well erect a statue of you in the middle of our decaying and very violent capital, Washington, D.C. Mark Meadows. There he is. Donald Trump saying Mark Meadows might even get a statue erected of him there in the middle of D.C. I mean, Marion Barry's <laughs> got you. a statue. Yeah, right. They put up a statue of their crack-smoking mayor. <laughs> he got reelected. He got busted smoking crack as the mayor, and then went to jail for a little bit, came back, won re-election, and he's got a statue in D.C. The um, 
Chris Christie actually kind of puts this in perspective. Um, he was in law enforcement. Leaves. I mean, he's a you know attorney, um, and of course the governor of uh, governor of Jersey. He's presidential candidate, and he's only there to harass Donald Trump at this just point. Just a troll. He's just just a troll. But here's Chris Christie's reaction to Trump's former chief of staff being granted immunity. He's in huge trouble. Mark Meadows. Listen, I did this for seven years. As you guys know. Do not give immunity, complete immunity to the former White House Chief of Staff unless he's got information that is devastating and that you couldn't get any other way. Donald Trump is in huge trouble and uh, our party needs to wake up to the fact that uh, he will not be the next president of the United States. He is much more likely to be in different federal housing um, than the White House. Oh. But here's the thing with Chris Christie. It doesn't matter who it is. Sirhan Sirhan could come out against Donald Trump, and Chris Christie <laughs> would say, well, this guy's really got a flamethrowing case. This is a guy you have to believe. Like, it could be anybody. That's how much Chris Christie hates Donald Trump. I mean, look what's happening in New York. Michael Cohen, the fixer. Zero credibility. Zero yeah. credibility, but because he's testifying against Donald Trump, now all of a sudden we should believe every word he says, even though he's been busted for perjury before. So it doesn't matter who it is. You could find Jared from Subway, the Night Stalker, um, anybody, Jason from Friday the 13th. They could all testify against Donald Trump. And Chris Christie would say, well, that's really good. This isn't this is danger for Donald Trump. Trump also taking some shots from uh, fellow presidential candidate in Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This is from DeSantis. He's either in Massachusetts or New Hampshire here. Um, he was, I mean, just talking about how he thinks Donald Trump has basically lost his fastball. And what Donald Trump does now, he is wedded to the teleprompter. He can't get off that teleprompter. Anytime he does, he says things like, don't vote. He's telling people not to vote. Like, we have all the votes we need. Really? Like, wait a minute. You lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton in 2016. You don't have all the votes you need. Um, and so I think that it's just shown this is a different Donald Trump than 2015 and 16. Um, lost the zip on his fastball, has a sense of entitlement, um, all this stuff. Doesn't think he has to go through and earn it like other candidates. And that's just not going to fly in Iowa and New Hampshire. Man, I like Ron DeSantis, and I've said this from day one. I don't think he's charismatic enough to win because the presidential election has turned into American Idol, but I think he would be the best at governing. Once you get Ron DeSantis behind a desk and just let him do his thing, I think he would be the best candidate. See, but I just don't like talking about the popular vote. Stop it. Now you start to sound like some of these folks on the left or the guy that was almost the Speaker <laughs> of the House from the Republicans. Now, Donald, now, now, DeSantis would say that he's a candidate. He is the candidate that can win a general election. We need a candidate that can win the general election. Uh, there's too many people that just are not going to vote for Trump at this point. But you have another wrinkle now with RFK Jr. as a third party. RFK Jr. will be a vessel for anti-lockdown and anti-Fauci voters if Trump is the nominee. If I'm the nominee, they all go to me because I stood up against Fauci. I'm going to clean out CDC and all those. It's a big part of my platform. 
with Trump, though, he, he created Fauci. He elevated Fauci. He never fired him. He said that he did everything right during COVID, claims he saved 100 million lives, you know, with the MNRA vaccine and all this stuff. And I think those voters who are understandably still very frustrated with how this federal government handled COVID and the lies that were told and, the, and all the mistakes that were made with no accountability, they're going to want a vessel for that. And I think they may default uh, to Kenny. So I think he will hurt Trump way more than he would hurt any other candidates. And that makes it even a tougher uphill battle. S- something we've been saying for a while now since RFK Jr. decided to go uh, independent. Right. It's going to siphon votes off of Trump. And and that works in DeSantis's favor. Yeah, but can DeSantis have the voter turnout that Donald Trump would get? Because I think there's a lot of diehard Donald Trump voters that will only vote for him and not anybody else. It's funny to hear DeSantis say what he says about Trump and Fauci and how he elevated Fauci and how he was all for, um, you know, vaccines and how he saved 100 million people. This is these are all things that you and I were saying before DeSantis even declared. Right. That's going to be how he gets at Trump, because Fauci is universally hated uh, with Republicans and most conservatives. And Trump is the guy that hired him and elevated him and didn't fire him. If either one of those two became the president, I would probably be just fine with it. I liked most of the things that I got out of a Donald Trump presidency. It wasn't everything. Obviously, COVID was a train wreck. Not firing Fauci was a mistake. There was some big spending. But I loved what Donald Trump did with the economy. I loved what he was doing at the border. I loved the way that his foreign policy kept the United States out of wars. Imagine that. And with Ron DeSantis, the way that he's governed the state of Florida, I think I would be just fine if he were calling the shots, too. Those are the only two that I think have a puncher's chance against anybody the left puts up, including Joe Biden. As much of a train wreck as Joe Biden is, I still think a lot of voters would go out and vote for him against whoever else is in the back of the pack for the Republicans. You got a big vote coming up here in Marion County, don't you? Yeah, man. The mayor's race, I think there's another debate happening tomorrow between Shreve and Boss Hogshead. I think this one's on like Fox 59 or CBS 4, one of the two. Are we going to learn anything new from that thing? Probably not. Uh, and I don't know if... People will watch the second one because they just saw what happened a couple nights ago. It's like this with presidential candidates, right? That first debate, everybody watches it. Everybody talks about it. They've heard pretty much all they want to hear, and they kind of zone out after that. But here's what I'm starting to hear. Now, again, I'm a day of voting guy. On election day, I wake up super early, go cast my vote at the school near my house, and that's the way that I do it. I've said that I am going to either do a write-in candidate or not vote at all. Now, I've got a couple people sending me messages saying that early voting, which is underway, there's nowhere to put a write-in candidate. So if that's the case, if that's the case, you guys can do what you want. I'm leaving the mayor's race blank because neither one of these clowns deserves my vote. Now, again, I'm one man. If you want to vote for Shreve, knock yourself out. If you want to vote for Boss Hogsett, 
be my guest. Neither one of these clowns deserves my vote. And personally, I think a message has to be sent to the Marion County Republicans and the state of Indiana Republicans that these wishy, washy, Governor Holcomb style of Republicans, Jefferson Shreve gun grabbing style of Republicans is not acceptable. So if there's nowhere I can write in Abdul's name or a write in candidate, I'm leaving it blank. And there's nothing wrong with leaving it blank. Have you thought about how you're going to feel if Sharif pulls off the upset and wins? Like, how, how is that going to make you feel? Are, are you going to be like, well, at least Hogshead's out of here? I mean, it's the same guy. I mean, you're going to get the same style of governing. Like, I'm going to get a mayor, no matter who wins, that thinks law-abiding citizens are the problem in this city. It doesn't matter if it's that goofy-ass boss hog set or Garth from Wayne's Worlds and Jefferson (laughs) Shreve. It doesn't matter. They're the same guy. Like, when Joe Hogsett put his ridiculous gun and crime plan out there, which half of it he can't even do as a mayor, Jefferson Shreve, instead of looking at him going, that's not a real solution, said, hot damn, that's a great idea. (laughs) Sign me up. He was so thirsty to pander to the political left in this city, he gave the base a middle finger. So I'm out. You're going to get the same (laughs) mayor no matter who wins. It's it's funny. The the attack ads for Sharif that Hogsett are running are still painting him as, he's (laughs) pro-2A. Right. (laughs) Even though... He's turned around and said, no, I want to do exactly what Hogshead wants to do. Right. And I love that (laughs) Joe Hogshead is advertising on this radio station. We'll take his money and then we'll make fun of him. We'll be more than happy to do that. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. But I do believe there's some folks in the Hogshead camp that feel like a lot of us do. If you feel like the Republican candidate has turned his back and blamed you, the law-abiding citizen, for the problems in this city, then you've got options. Again, for me, I don't have options. Neither one of these guys warrant my vote. I'm either going to put a write-in candidate in if it allows me, but if it doesn't, then I'm leaving it blank, and everybody can just bite me moving forward. (laughs) It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. Hammer and Nigel. This is our lives. Don't you feel so much better now that we have a Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, representative out of Louisiana? I'm just big, breathe a big sigh of relief, Hammer. I had such a relaxing dump about an hour ago. Like, <laughs> man, I've been hanging on to that one for a while because I didn't know what was happening with the Speaker of the House. Uh, we got a big four o'clock hour. Congressman Jim Banks calling in to talk about the vote and uh, all that happening after four o'clock. I, I love this story. A pair of uh, Brothers in Wisconsin created a record-breaking 
massive grilled cheese sandwich. Such a power move for Wisconsin right yeah. there. 10, almost 11 feet long, six, and <laughs> 6 feet wide. They did it to raise money for local food banks. Awesome. Here are the brothers Exodus and Iggy. Ooh. Talking about what motivated them to break the world record and how they got a custom welded pan to make the massive sandwich. I was watching like lots of YouTube videos of people doing the Guinness World Record thing, so I decided to do it. A few months ago, we were like working on like how we're going to do it, and then like one of my mom's friends, that's a welder, he welded like this that he, we have today. I gotta say, I, I don't mean to brag, I make a killer grilled cheese sandwich. Now, do you do it Do you, when you make grilled cheese? It's like you usually just put the butter on the bread and the cheese in between and throw yes. it on a skillet. Yeah, and flip, flip it, it halfway a little bit. through. Yes. I don't use butter. I use mayonnaise. What? I use mayo. That sounds awful. It gives it a little zing. gives a little taste. Kids don't know the difference either. They, they hate it. Really? Mayonnaise. It tastes so good. Wow. So you're telling yeah. me that if we blindfolded somebody no. and said, here, one of these grilled cheeses is made with mayonnaise, can you tell the difference? Nobody's going to be able to do it? I'm No, I'm saying the mayonnaise tastes better. It tastes, it, but you wouldn't, you would still think it was butter because it looks the same and it, it, it cooks the same. I think you're a but, psycho, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, that's been, my mom was you're like that quarterback was that was at Kentucky that's now with the Titans. <laughs> it puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Will Levis. That's oh, who yeah. you are. Yeah. And I like mayonnaise on a sandwich, but not on a grilled cheese, right? But it cooks. It cooks like butter. It, it's, it's crispy. Maybe throw some bacon on there, some crispy bacon. See, now that's where bacon comes in. We were talking earlier about how sometimes yeah. people try to get too cute with bacon and put it on donuts and put it on ice cream. I want bacon in a grilled cheese. Now that is where bacon belongs. I can get with that, but mayonnaise over butter, I can't get with that. Do you, do you cook the bacon in the on the skillet or do you put it in the oven? Skillet. Really? I'm a skillet guy. Okay. Yeah, I want the stuff popping. I want to get burned by it. See, I want stuff to pop in my face. It's a little more cleaner when you do it in the oven. Or on the Blackstone. We got a Blackstone out at the house. Oh, man. So good. Man. You know what a Blackstone is? It's a flat uh, skillet. Right. Like, like, you know, um, like greasy spoon type of um Like what you would grill. see at a restaurant, yes. basically. Yes. You can get up there and put all your ingredients yeah, yeah, up yeah, there, yeah. grill up some oh, onions, man. maybe. Oh, man. Now I want bacon and a grilled cheese. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. Rejoice, ladies and gentlemen. We have a newly elected Speaker of the House. Gavel, bang it, baby. Bang that gavel. Uh, Congressman Mike Johnson, Republican out of Louisiana. Louisiana. Um, here he is speaking to reporters after being elected to that role earlier this afternoon. We're in the majority right now. We've gone through a little bit of suffering. We've gone through a little bit of character building. And you know what it's produced? More strength, more perseverance, and a lot of hope. And that's what we're about to deliver to the American people. We're going to tell them what we're for, what agenda we are pursuing, and why it is best for every American, why it will give them more liberty, opportunity, and security. We're going to speak to that clearly. We're going to act consistently, and we're going to exhibit two things here, trust and teamwork. <laughs> I do kind of like that. I heard it at the top of the hour, the nickname the Biden-Harris administration has given him. 
MAGA Mike Johnson. MAGA Mike. <laughs> now, if I'm the Republicans, I go with yeah. Big Johnson. <laughs> you have to, right? He's got the biggest gavel in Washington, Big Johnson. You got to make that happen. So the question now becomes what's next? And Congressman Jim Banks will be joining us here in just a few minutes, and that's a question we'll pose to him, because it sounds like one of the things, whether it was going to be Byron Donalds or Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan, whoever it was going to be, one of the criteria was release all of the January 6th tapes, something Kevin McCarthy promised to do, but never did. And the other thing I heard Tony Katz talking about earlier was that, he, you know, one of the things Mike Johnson was saying is like, no, no, no more of this omnibus BS. Right. No more packaging these bills, these spending bills, in with it. like individual spending bills from here on out. Where people can actually read before they vote on yeah. it instead of a yeah. packet of about 3,000 so, pages long. If that's his stance, if that's true, sign me up. I'm with you on that one. And whatever eliminates the most pork and BS from these bills, the better. Now, let's not kid ourselves. The House is still a step below the Senate. And the Senate is a Democrat majority. And the House, though, they can be a little bit of a pain in the backside to the Biden agenda, but they can't create their own problems. Kevin McCarthy was creating his own problems by allegedly going behind party lines, negotiating with the Democrats on giving more money to Ukraine and hoping that the Republicans didn't find out about it until it was already through. So you know already Joe Biden's going to be putting together one big plan, or he wants put together one big plan that's going to fund Ukraine, Israel, because he thinks they're the same. It's up to the House of Representative Republicans, who have a slim majority, to kind of put the brakes on a lot of that. All right, as we wait for Congressman Jim Banks to call in here in uh, just about 10, 15 minutes, why don't we do a quick round of Is This Anything? I like it. Nigel presents Is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, we already know how to play Is This Anything. Let's do it. A Gen Z woman has gone viral because her 9 to 5 job is making her sad. (laughs) Listen to this rant. We've left it intact other than cutting out a couple of F-bombs. And just take a listen to yourself what Gen Z thinks about working nine to five jobs. I know I'm probably just being so dramatic and annoying. Yes. But this is my first job, like my first nine to five job after college. And I'm in person and I'm commuting in the city and it takes me forever to get there. There's no way I'm going to be able to afford living in the city right now. So that's off the table. Like, duh, if I was able to walk to work and it'd be fine. But I'm not. So it literally takes me like I leave here. Like I get on the train at 730 and I don't get home till like 615 earliest. And then like I don't have time to do anything. I don't I want to shower, eat my dinner and go to sleep. I don't have time or energy to cook my dinner either. Like I don't have energy to work out like that's out the window. Like I'm so upset. Oh, my God. 
said, nothing to do with my job at all, but just like the nine to five schedule in general is crazy. Being in the office nine to five, like if it was remote, you get off at five and you're home. Stop and talking, fine. you like, horrible woman. It takes me long to get home. Right, and I, like, I can't, I can't, like, I can't stand it anymore. Welcome to uh, the real world. Gen Zer, seriously, you just described every working man uh, over the past fifty years, hundred years. As long as human beings have been working, they haven't liked their jobs. Most jobs suck. A lot of people don't like what they do for a living. A lot of people don't like commuting. A lot of people hate getting up uh, early just to go to a ninety-five job that they hate. This is your first job out of college, and by the way, the, from what I see, the the job market's pretty wide open right now. Maybe you can get another job closer to your house. Right. What I mean, honestly, like we've all had jobs that we've hated. And she can't. It's if like, you were playing a drinking game and you were to take a shot every time she said, like, you would be on the floor. Like, she said, like, so many times, like, it was annoying. The other thing that drove me nuts about that is she said she doesn't have time to exercise. Hey, get up at four o'clock in the morning and go for a walk, right? Or do some something in your house. Get on a uh, you know buy a stationary bike. Our friend of the show, Reverend Charles Harrison, he tweets out every morning at like four o'clock in the morning, going for my daily four mile walk. I'm blessed to be alive. Four right. o'clock in the morning. You think that guy doesn't work all day and night? Right. Between his duties as a pastor and uh, running the Ten Point Coalition. Or how about try oh. to get some steps in at work? Maybe stand up. Stand up when you work. Have it so your computer is set up to where you can stand up. At, at least you'll kind of get a few steps in. Every day, I walk up and down the the stairwell next to us. We're on floor, I don't know, depending on how you... We're on floor four, right? So I walk all the way up to floor seven, then all the way down to the basement, then all the way back up uh, to floor four. Yeah. And it's... It's not easy. I don't like doing it, but I got to get the blood flowing a little bit. Right. I walk around the circle, count the bums, and come back, usually a couple <laughs> times. Is this anything? A Texas school bus driver saved a seven-year-old boy that was choking on a quarter. Here is the bus driver and the boy oh, talking no. about the life-saving effort. Student came up to me. I thought he was sick, so he appeared to be throwing up. So I was like, hey, throw up. You know, so I opened up the door to tell him to throw up outside. And when he turned back and looked at me, he was basically letting me know he couldn't breathe. I immediately got off the bus, picked him up, and ran down the stairs. On my way to the sidewalk, I was doing the homelick, telling him, breathe, baby, breathe. I got you. I got you. I choked on a quarter, and then Raquel saved my life. Awesome for Raquel. Hero. Saved this kid's life. But at seven years old, this thought popped in my head. At seven years old, shouldn't you know better than to be putting quarters in your mouths? I mean, like at three years old, of course. Right. Three-year-old toddler's going to pick up anything they see on the floor and put it in their mouth. Seven years old, you got problems. All right, counterpoint. All right. What if he was double dog dared? Because <laughs> if you're double dog dared to do something at the age of seven, like we've all seen Christmas story, right? Triple dog dare you. Yeah. You got to do it. I mean, your manhood, your young manhood is on the line at that point. <laughs> is this anything? Yeah. A woman in Tennessee bought a jumpsuit 
that makes a fart noise every time she bends down. So I bought this jumpsuit at a boutique and I love all of their stuff, but they did me dirty. And I demand an apology because this jumpsuit, I found out something interesting about it today. Yeah. Every time I bend down, it sounds like I'm farting. Every time. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's everything. I want that jumpsuit. I do, too. I would wear that jumpsuit. I've been down in public every chance I could. That's great. It kind of reminds me like when George Costanza at Seinfeld bought that suit that made the swishing sound. Georgio. Nice done. How you telling me, What do you think? Did you hear something? Yeah, like a swoosh. Yeah. It must be the fabric. It's it's rubbing between your thighs when you walk. <laughs> That's what's making that swooshy sound. This is my God. I want the jumpsuit. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Chick was hot too. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hey, my name is Nigel Hammer, right over there with a special guest on the WIBC hotline. Representative Jim Banks from Indiana's 3rd District joins us. And Congressman, Speaker of the House, you guys finally got it. You pushed it through, and it was a unanimous vote today. Take us through the whole process here. Oh, well, what a wild ride over the last three weeks. (laughs) Uh, We finally got our act together. We elected Mike Johnson to be the Speaker of the House. Really someone that everybody likes in the Republican conference. Maybe we should have started with that. But that's what we ended up with after three weeks of going through a lot of other names along the way. Mike Johnson is a is a very good man. I came to Congress with him in 2017. I've known him for many years before that. I'm very committed and grounded in his faith. He has incredible integrity. And at the end of the day, this is this is why he uh, is this, the, the most unlikely uh, person to become to take the gavel and become the Speaker of the House. But the reason why is because everybody trusts him. We had a breakdown of trust in the Republican leadership uh, between members from different factions. And, you know, we only have a four-seat Republican majority. But Mike Johnson is that rare guy because of his integrity, a nice guy that everybody likes enough and trusts enough to make him the Speaker of the House. And I'm, I'm really proud of him um, and happy for him uh, today to become the highest-ranking Republican in the country and second in line to be president of the United States of America. So now it's time to get back to work. We have a lot of work to do. We've lost three weeks. And uh, with Mike Johnson as our speaker, uh, I'm ready to get back to work and do what we said we were going to do. When you say work, what's next? Like today, we all sat down, we watched the vote. It happened. You've got a speaker of the House. Congratulations. Everybody high fives. But what's next? Yeah, I'm, I'm marching down to the floor here, and, and as soon as I'm done with this interview, to go and vote for a resolution to condemn Israel or to condemn Hamas for their attacks on Israel and to show support 
for Israel, our most cherished ally uh, in the entire world. So that's very important because there's been a lot of rhetoric on the left that's spoken out in favor of of Hamas and against Israel. And we need to condemn that type of rhetoric and show broad bipartisan and strong American support uh, for Israel and for also at the same time for sanctions on Iran, uh, the biggest funder of Hamas and Hezbollah, their terrorist proxy groups is Iran and the the hundreds of billions of dollars in sanctions relief that the Biden administration has provided to Iran has gone directly to these terrorist groups that launched these attacks on Israel. So this is some this is the first thing that we're going to do on Speaker Mike Johnson's watch today. But then after that, we got to go back to work on the spending bills. We have a two trillion dollar annual deficit, a thirty three trillion dollar national debt. And today we spend more on the interest of our national debt than we do on the entire budget for our Pentagon. That, that's useful. And uh, we got to get back to work on that. Uh, we have a, we have enough, another government shutdown. Uh, on the horizon in just a few weeks. So we got to go back to work on cutting spending and passing a spending deal that's fiscally responsible for the country. And one thing that, that Mike Johnson committed to Republicans when he ran for Speaker of the House over the last few days is no more omnibus spending bills. There you so go. That's, that's a really important commitment that we're going to hold him to over these next few weeks and something that we need to get done immediately. It's just so funny that like the, these past three weeks where did mike come from i mean i I know you kind of touched on it at the beginning of this segment but but the alston mccarthy you you got scalise up there no good uh jim jordan up there now no that's not gonna work we had i know you didn't vote for emmer yesterday or or you said you weren't gonna vote for him yesterday did everybody just kind of look at each other and say mike you're the guy is that i mean is that literally how it works uh, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you kind of look around the room and like, who's the guy around here that we all like? I mean, there are lots of people that I don't like. Uh, lots of Republicans who fall way short of the conservative values that, that I'm willing to vote for to make the Speaker of the House. So um, Mike Johnson is just that guy. He's a guy that, um, that everyone uh, can trust. And part of being Speaker of the House is working with all the committee chairmen and all of the members and bringing, uh, trying to bring consensus because you know, I'm pretty far to the right in the House Republican Conference, but we have a lot of members who come from districts that are different than mine. So how can you get us all on the same page to do what we have to do to secure the border, cut wasteful spending, and hold Joe Biden and the most corrupt administration in American history accountable for what they've done to this country? And that's a tough job to wrangle a a very very slim majority to pass bills to have the leverage to do what we have to do to save this country so it's going to be a hard job for him he knows that but uh, he also is in a unique position to provide the leadership that's been missing especially over the last few weeks but i think maybe even longer longer than that for the republican party we're chatting with representative jim banks here on the hammer and nigel show congressman what do you think of joe biden trying to push forward this aid package for both Ukraine and Israel together, basically trying to tell everybody that both of these situations are the exact same and we have to fund both of these things. 
Yeah, it's a non, it's a non-starter for me. I think it is for most uh, Republicans in the majority too. Two separate countries, two separate, uh, very different issues. I think it's really important that we show broad, bipartisan, strong support for Israel. So don't water it down with Ukraine and don't water it down with aid uh, to Gaza either that we know will go directly back to Hamas and the terrorist proxy groups. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, Speaker Johnson and uh, House Republican leadership will push back strongly against President Biden on that package or whatever comes from the Senate and uh, let them know that's a non-starter with the House Republican majority. At least I'm, that, that's what I'm going to fight for. So uh, that that's uh, that's that's on the horizon very quickly. But remember at the same time, too, guys, that um, we have to put America first. America can't lead abroad when we're so weak at home. So we can't be the blank checkbook for other countries when we have a wide open border we have high sky high interest rates that are affecting homeowners and inflation affecting every family in this country a drug epidemic that's crippling families and devastating communities all over indiana we need to focus on those issues and put those issues first before we focus on the rest of the world. Last thing here before we let you go, we know you have to go hit a vote on the floor, but free speech is a powerful thing in this country. And, you know, Republicans, conservatives, us, we've gone after big tech for trying to suppress free speech. Is what's happening right now on some of these college campuses, these pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian rallies, uh, where they're chanting some pretty awful things does that fall into the category of free speech in your opinion well if it's supported in any way by by taxpayers which many of our public universities are funded all of them are funded by by taxpayers so you know i i've I've been working on a a resolution now now that we're back to work in the congress we should expel any non-citizen on college campuses who are speaking out in favor of hamas's terrorist acts and violence against israel so we should just kick them out of our country you shouldn't be allowed in the united states of america on a college campus as a non-citizen if you speak out in favor of violence against uh, the Jewish people or against the people of Israel. So that, that's one place to start. That's not protected free speech, especially for non-citizens who aren't guaranteed those constitutional rights in this great country. He represents Indiana's third district, Representative Jim Banks. Congressman, thank you so much for your time. Have a good day. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Mark Deedle is a, a real estate expert, man. I, he's the only one I'd trust to either sell my home and or find me a new one. Maybe you're a growing family or working from home means you need more space, like Jim and Emily in Shelbyville. They were ready for an upgrade. They heard about Mark on our show, and they were pretty impressed by his aggressive marketing plan. They, the home sold in two days for cash at the asking price. Plus, Mark also found them a new and bigger, better home. Listen, you get a lot of options in the real estate game, but the best in the business for our money is Mark Deedle. Because Mark Deedle's the only one we trust and recommend, and it's the guarantee that sold us. Mark Deedle guarantees your home sold at a reasonable and agreed-upon price, or he will buy it. Call Mark Deedle today, 317-755-4232. That's 755-4232, or go to markdeedle.com. Tell him Hammer and Nigel sent you. You're listening to the 
Farmer and Nigel Show. Some more chilling numbers coming from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the uh, the CBP, as they call it. You know, we just got off the phone with Congressman Jim Banks. One of the things he hit home, I mean, obviously he was talking about the uh, finally electing a Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, out of Louisiana. But he also said we need to, you know, concentrate on America first here. That starts with the southern border, the porous, open-wide southern border. Somehow saying America first has been turned turned into yeah. racist. Yeah. Like wanting something happening at the southern border that prohibits drug traffickers, cartel members and deaths has become like a racist dog whistle to some people. So the CBP really revealing they've arrested more than 160 people on the FBI's terror watch list along the southern border in the past 12 months. 160 that we know about. Right. They were the ones that got caught. How many people did not get caught? And especially with what's happening now with Israel and the Palestinians and Hamas, how many angry, you know, Palestinian Hamas supporters have just scrolled across the border and now they've met up with other folks and they're plotting their next move, man. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz out of Texas talking to Hannity. Basically saying Biden's open border policies are inviting many of the dangerous individuals you just mentioned, Hammer, to try to enter the United States, and they're putting Americans everywhere at risk. This open border we have is an invitation for terrorists to come. And I believe right now, Sean, we are at a greater risk of a major terrorist attack in the United States than at any point since September 11th. And the Biden administration keeps doubling down on the policies that put us at risk. But you might say to yourself, Hammer, I thought President Biden had called on Congress to approve supplemental packages that would include some funds going to the southern border. Remember that? Oh, yeah. You know, he wants to tie Ukraine and Israel together, but he's also got some stuff in there for the southern border. In fact, here's Senator Chuck Schumer addressing Biden's border policy. What about people crossing the border, dangerous people? There was this memo out that your colleague, Senator Daines, showed from Border Patrol San Diego that that Hezbollah, Hamas, you're talking a lot about fentanyl, which is a problem. The best thing to do is pass the Biden proposal on the border. It will do more to stop the problems of fentanyl and other issues than any other. Thank you, everybody. I'm glad he's. I think fentanyl is a problem, but I'm concerned with you know military-aged males, Hezbollah, Hamas supporters crossing the border, and the devil is really in the details. Let's go back to Ted Cruz talking about this so-called package that would provide funds going to. CBP. What Biden is asking for is more money to accelerate illegal immigration, to process illegal immigrants faster. They want more people to do the paperwork, and they want to have more resources to put even more illegal immigrants on buses and planes to every city in America. It is madness. Ah. That's what it is. We need more pencil pushers. We need more bus drivers. We need more ways for to get the <laughs> get the illegals into the uh, into the United States. And mayors like Boss Hawkset are probably here with open arms. They can't wait to send them over to a abandoned hotel somewhere, or even kick people out of a hotel because you know they're progressive. 
But here's Democrat Dan Goldman. He's one of the worst. That's Al Bundy, right? Yeah, that's Al Bundy. Um, with a straight face, claiming the Republicans are trying to sabotage Biden's efforts to fix the border. <laughs> Jimenez was talking about how the issues we have on our border are purely policy issues. They are not funding issues. And that the Biden administration has done nothing to address policy. That is false. The problem the Biden administration has is that every policy change they make is subject to a lawsuit by Republicans. So the Republicans are trying to sabotage the Biden administration's efforts to fix the issues at the border and then bash the administration while they are doing that. He must be double-jointed because the way he twisted himself <laughs> into a pretzel to defend Joe Biden's border disaster, it was almost impressive. <laughs> I mean... And, and by the way, Biden's policies have hindered efforts to keep people out, doing away everything. He did everything he did he could do to, to end the remain in Mexico policy, which was working and which was... You know, keeping people from crossing the border illegal. Did everything to in his power to end Title 42. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. The Democrats love what's happening. They are almost willing to accept the fact that some really bad actors are probably planning the next terror attack in this country. They're willing to take that for a few more votes the next decade, figuring out a way to get these folks to get a ballot in their hand and make it count. They love what's going on. The Democrats will pretend like they hate this in terms of, you know, there are these illegals that are being bussed into blue cities. These sanctuary cities are overwhelming. What they really want, what the real problem is, is the laws that forbid these guys from getting driver's licenses and work permits. That's what they really want. They don't want to deport them. They don't no. want them to go back home. No. They want to give them the ability to um, to, to work and drive a car. And that's, you know, if that doesn't say, hey, come on in. They look, don't come, but come on in. Right. Once you, once you get here, you get all the free health care, the education, and we'll give you a driver's license and a social security number. And the next thing you know, you're voting. Right. Make sure you vote for the people that allowed you to come here. Wink, wink. And again, we're not trying to be fear mongers here, right? That's like the criticism you hear of, you know, talk radio. You guys are just stoking fear into people. No, we're trying to tell you the truth because the majority of the national media is so biased and they just carry the water for the political left in this country. The real reality is some bad hombres, as Donald Trump once said, have made their way into the United States. And if you think they haven't figured out a way to connect, you're wrong. I mean, hell, the guy that we had on yesterday talking about the human trafficking it's easy for these guys to find a way to connect between WhatsApp, dark web, uh, message boards, Reddit threads. It's not that hard to find like-minded people who wish death to America. Actually, Trump issued a statement on social media talking about this whole thing. The fight in Gaza is coming home to the USA. Tens of thousands of strong young men from the Middle East that have already invaded our country are continuing to come totally unchecked, will become a 
problem, the likes of which we have never seen before. Crooked Joe Biden is a very ignorant, uh, stupid man. <laughs> he puts stupid in parentheses. <laughs> He's a very ignorant, parentheses stupid, man <laughs> who has never been right on a foreign policy issue in his life. Close our border now. Stop the onslaught. Stop the invasion. There's a lot of truth in that post on Truth Social from the Big Bad Orange Man. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we've Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Got a lewd, nude dude in the news. Here's another lewd. Drunk. Yes. Shirtless. Yes. Florida man. Bingo! <laughs> was arrested for dropping his pants and exposing himself to deputies as he yelled, Where's my weapon? <laughs> Where's my weapon? Here Where's is my audio. weapon? Here is uh, audio from... You like that little shimmy I just did right there, uh, No, Allison? I didn't. I, 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 I'm sure as, I can sure as hell say no. Where's my <laughs> weapon? <laughs> Swinging it around. Here is audio from the officer's body cam. What address? Give me the address. Four. Four, four cop cars. Come on. How much you had to drink? Let's go. Let's go. I'm swinging on everybody. Where's my weapon? Where's my weapon? Where's my weapon? (laughs) Is there any doubt? At some point during this altercation, he grabbed himself and goes, I got your weapon right here. (laughs) That's exactly what happened next. There's no doubt in my mind. This has been another lewd, nude, dude. Oh, wow. In the nude. Where's my weapon? Got it right here. Uh, real quick, the UFC, you know what the UFC is? Uh, the oh, yeah. The world's biggest mixed martial arts organization, Dana White, um, said yesterday that they, they partnered up with Bud Light. They're, Bud Light's the official beer, part of a massive partnership with Anheuser-Busch. So it kind of looks like Bud Light is trying to do whatever they can to recover from the D- Dylan Mulvaney marketing disaster where they, they had a, a dude that cosplays as a little girl. And uh, now they uh, partnered uh, with the UFC and Dana yeah. White. <laughs> it's, Boy, that's it, a 180 right it's there. It's a nine-figure deal. Uh, and it's the UFC's largest sponsorship deal ever. Here's Dana White, who I like. I like CEO Dana White, uh, who's the CEO of the UFC, said, quote, there are many reasons why I chose to go with Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light, but most importantly, because I feel we are very aligned when it comes to our core values and what the UFC brand stands for. So, do you think anybody is going to be upset with the UFC here? Because that's a pretty, you know, red-blooded, Trump-supporting crowd. Dana White, big Trump supporter. It has nothing to do with core values. It has nothing to do. It, it has everything to do with a nine-figure deal. Okay, <laughs> it has nothing to do with partnership. It's the biggest sponsorship deal in UFC's history. Nobody's going to turn that down. So, is this the price? For Bud Light to fix their mistake. That's it. Listen, we understand partnering with Dylan Mulvaney may have backfired just a little bit. (laughs) Just a tad. So we're prepared to write a nine-figure check to the most alpha blood sport out there, (laughs) UFC, 
we have to butch up our image just a little bit. So please, Data White, take this blank check oh, and run yeah. wild with please it. Please don't believe any of the lies that are told in this. Well, it's a great partnership. It's a great matchup. We are core values are most important. Blah, 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 blah. They wrote a $100 million plus check for a multi-year deal to be part of UFC. What That's do you think all it is? Dylan Mulvaney and yeah. Heideshide <laughs> right. are thinking right now? It yeah. cost a nine-figure check to fix your mistake. <laughs> Have you ever made a mistake so egregious that it cost $100 million to fix, and we don't even know if it's going to work? Love it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Joy to the world. Hallelujah. I'm so excited we have a new house speaker, Hammer. Oh, the nation can finally heal. He's here. Mike Johnson, who, uh, representative out of Louisiana, Mike Johnson, easily scoring enough votes. It was like 220 to 209 or something like that. Every Republican voting for this guy for House Speaker. Which is impressive because it's a pretty divided group. There is a group of people who want to represent the people, and there's an awful lot of butt sniffers with the establishment. (laughs) Here's uh, uh, the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, after he was voted House Speaker. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I kiss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, You know, I'm just just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. Mike Johnson, Speaker yeah. of the House right there, Flame ladies and gentlemen. Thrower. You know who the kingmaker is here, though? It's Donald Trump. I mean, you have to realize, who's the guy yesterday, Eller? He was nominated. They were going to start voting for him yesterday. They were going to start the process of voting like they did today, and then he just drops out all of a sudden when after Donald Trump says, yeah, this guy's a rhino. He sucks. But the thing is, anybody that could do a little bit of research knew that guy was a total turd. Yeah. Like, we did 10 minutes worth of research on this cat <laughs> and realized, wait a minute, you don't like the Electoral College? You used to be part of a Soros-funded group for the popular vote? Nah, I don't like the sounds of any of that. Here is uh, Donald Trump on the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson. Johnson! Mike Johnson's going to do really well. He's popular. He's smart. He's sharp. He's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be a fantastic speaker. So again, Kingmaker Donald Trump approves, and now the House can get back to doing what it does best, is spend our money. Spend the bejesus out of our money. <laughs> now, I'm hoping that Speaker Johnson here is going to put the kibosh on a lot of this crap. I've, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um but we'll see. I've got very little <laughs> faith that anybody in Washington wants to eliminate spending. Uh, a small piece of good news coming out of uh, Israel and Gaza is that Gaza released two more hostages, two elderly women. And uh, you should have seen CNN. They have been gushing about the accommodations that the hostages have in these tunnels, Hammer. We know these tunnels have ventilation. We know that they've been known to have air conditioning. They've got, this has all been reporting that we've heard. 
um, that there was shampoo, there was antibiotics, there was a guard per hostage in the experience she had, uh, that there were medics and paramedics, and obviously she is elderly, the other woman who was released also elderly and had medical needs, and that they had the medicine needed, and if not, something uh, similar to replace it. Um, it is pretty stunning, because you've got to contrast that with what's happening above the ground, right, where there isn't water, never mind shampoo, okay? They don't have water. They're using toilet water. There is no morphine for any kind of uh, amputation. And that's all Israel's fault, by the way. Antibiotics, no, right? But Hamas had stockpiled all of that and has all of that underground, and that's what we're learning from her. So, really, I mean, the implication here is is that all the hostages underground held at gunpoint are being treated better than uh, the Gazans that are above ground. And the reason they're being treated better is because Israel. Right. So what I took away from this reporter was, look at how nice the yeah. uh, folks on the Gaza Strip <laughs> and Hamas are. I know they may have decapitated babies. Yeah. I'm well aware they may have raped and dragged women through the streets. But they've got shampoo. Uh, oh, uh, not only shampoo, but feminine hygiene products, Amber. We're therefore prepared... I mean, let's just just go ahead. I think we're being honest about it. That means they had tampons and things, okay? That is a level of preparation for what they were going to do. I love it takes tampons to wow CNN. How bad is the hygiene in that Atlanta complex if somebody has shampoo and tampons and they're like, hot damn, this is like staying in a suite at Caesar's Palace. I mean, exactly. It's like an underground uh, Conrad. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like they want you to think Hamas is some sort of uh, humanity to them by treating the hostages uh, uh, well. And sorry, I, I don't buy it. So while Hamas wants you to think hostages are staying in some sort of underground resort. Meanwhile, here, you know, there are people working on the front lines volunteering in Israel and in Gaza trying to identify the bodies of the slaughtered 1,400 innocent victims and babies and children that Hamas killed uh, almost 18 years ago today. This is a, a dentist and forensic volunteer in Israel describing the emotional, tr- tr- you know, toll of examining the bodies of murdered children and babies and then coming home to her own family and three year old son. Where are, they, where are this child's parents? Are they murdered? Are they abducted? I, I have to shut that off while I'm working. Otherwise, I won't be able to work. Um, I come home. I hug my, my boy. I'm one of the lucky ones. I mean, could you imagine that job? There are some jobs that are just so taxing mentally. I couldn't imagine. We spoke to the human trafficking guy yesterday. Yeah, Eric. That's another one of those jobs. The horrific things you see when you're investigating human trafficking. Sex with children. um, Just unspeakable things. If you're somebody that works in law enforcement, I mean, you probably see child porn and domestic violence that just makes you want to shake your head. Kids that are being beaten. And this is another one of those jobs. One of the unspeakable heroes of what's happening are the volunteers helping identify the bodies. All right, let's pivot here just a little bit. You need a reason to drink tonight, Hammer? Please. Um, Raise one up to former IU basketball coach Bob Knight. He is 83 years old The general, 83. So this brings us to our next segment, Great Moments in Bob Knight History. How about that one time when he was giving a speech to fans? I believe this is at Assembly Hall. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past 
I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my <laughs> Once he said the word past. <laughs> yeah, you know where it was going, right? I think we were all waiting for what he was going to come up with at that point. Great moments in Bob Knight history. How about, uh, I mean, this is probably what he's best known for, right? In terms of Bob Knight antics, the throwing of the chair, would you agree? Was sure. that number one on the antic uh, Mount Rushmore for Bob Knight? I mean, you think of winning championships. Well, sure, I know. But, but in terms of antics, I think throwing the chair is probably the number one seed. Two-shot technical against the bench and against Bob Knight. Steve Reed, an excellent free-throw shooter, will have the honor of shooting the technicals. Look at here. Look at here. There it is. Bobby Knight just threw his chair. Clear across the free-throw lane. And I think uh, Fred Unbelievable. And Bob Knight is gone. <laughs> I could watch that over and over again. And what's great is our friend Dan Dockett just yeah. sitting there on the bench. He's yeah. a player. Yes. And it doesn't even phase him. <laughs> like, we've talked to him about that. It's like, no, we yeah. saw crazier stuff in practice. <laughs> uh, here's Bob Knight after he uh, left his gig at IU. I think he was fired. Some, what was it? Some kid said, hey, Knight, and he grabbed the kid. and Wanted him to learn a little respect. Yeah, here's Bobby Knight describing that moment. Some kid came up to me and say, hey, Knight, what's going on? That kid made a dumb mistake. You know, I went over to that kid, and I did a lot more for the son of a bitch than his parents ever did for him. <laughs> and I went over there, and I said, son, let me tell you something. You don't address adults like that under any circumstances. And that's why I have no use for Indiana University, because they use that as a reason to get me out of there. And that's absolute bullshit. <laughs> now, that's what he was in his anti-IU phase. Yeah, he eventually came back and right. had that infamous appearance. Right. With Dick Vitale, remember that? Right. Like, Quinn Buckner was yeah, there, and they yeah. finally got Bob Knight to come back. Yeah. So, uh, celebrating Bob Knight's birthday, great moments in Bob Knight history. To cap it all off, finally, a musical tribute to all the great Bob Knight rants. I mean, I'm really disappointed in the, in the of course kind of f***ing progress that we've made. Why do you say so much? <laughs> now you better get your head out of your ass. <laughs> there it is. Right Happy birthday Woo. to the general, Coach Bob Knight. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Hammer, a city in New Zealand is dealing with, quote, siren battles. Siren battles are where cars are decked out in loudspeakers commonly used in emergency warning systems and often blaring Celine Dion hits. What? This is a real thing in New Zealand. Police are are 
now being called to beg, uh, you know, the people are begging the police to end the noise. So these cars with these big speakers on the top, kind of like what the Blues Brothers had when they're driving through promoting their concert, they're blaring Celine Dion? Here is an example of one of the, quote, siren battles. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, wow. Real thing. All right, I think we got the idea. Are you okay with uh, Celine Dion siren battles in New Zealand? So I guess if my options are streets in Indianapolis being closed and horses are at the party taking up the road, (laughs) or in New Zealand where they're having a Celine Dion battle, I think I'm with Celine Dion battle here. I think I'm okay with this. Now, I think it would be funny at first, and I don't want it to happen at like three o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine laying in your bed? It's been a rough day. You finally <laughs> yeah. get to sleep. Your eyes close. And then the next thing you hear. That would kind of tick me off just a little bit. But I, I think it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know why it's Celine Dion. Why not Richard Marks? Why not Clay Aiken? Why not Cher? But. Dude, dude, I, uh, this reminds me, it just, I just thought of this. On our way to the airport when we left Florida last week, our Uber driver picks us up and a Hispanic gentleman wearing a mask, speaking very little English. We get into his very nice car, nice accommodations. We did Uber X because we needed a little more room for luggage and extra people. He, I don't know if he had it on the all Celine Dion channel, if there is such a thing, or he was playing directly off his iPhone. His own personal selection. I, I listened to no less than 13 Celine, different Celine Dion songs on the way to the airport. You celebrated her entire catalog. <laughs> sure as hell did. I don't know if this guy likes Celine Dion. I don't know if he thinks like Americans love Celine Dion or this this family of young white People love, people just love, I mean, it's with Celine Dion after Celine Dion after Celine Dion song. And he got us to the airport safe and sound. Very nice. Tipped him very well. Like, I wonder but what I, the reviews I, look like. <laughs> Great driver. Got us there safely. Awful lot of Celine Dion. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what my review would be. I That was a unique experience for sure. Uh, great <laughs> moments in Celine Dion history. A number of years ago, and I don't know why, but the promotions department gave us Celine Dion concert tickets oh, to give away on our show. So we said, hell, all right, let's run with it. So we had a contest called Hey Man, Wanna Go See Celine? And the way that it worked was if one of us could call a friend yes. and convince them to have a dude's night out at the Celine Dion concert in like a minute or less... Caller number nine got the tickets to the show. You called your buddy. Yeah. You remember this? Yeah, Mark. Yeah, here it is. Hello. Mark. What's going on? Hey, I got three words for you. Guys, night out. Okay. What am I supposed to do with those three? Yeah, what's up? I just not, you you and I, all our friends are getting older now, but I've got uh, (laughs) some tickets to a show coming up, a concert. 
And uh, okay. I thought it'd be, I don't know, I thought it'd be cool for like me and you and, I don't know, Fisher and, and Wojo or whoever to uh, <laughs> maybe get together and have, I've got these tickets to the show and uh, I figure maybe we could just have a night of it, you know? Who's performing? How, how many uh, Celine Dion songs can you name <laughs> off the top of your head? Uh, man, maybe five. Whoa. Whoa. Five? My heart will go on. Let's see. Because I'm your baby. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. If you'll be my man. So I guess uh, what I'm saying is I've, I've, I've got tickets to Celine Dion. I thought, figure we'd get the guys together on, and, 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 and head out, and I was going to run it. Run a bite and see what you thought. Well, we got to do dinner beforehand. Yeah! <laughs> Damn right, we have to do dinner beforehand. And you should have seen the the look of disappointment uh, on Mark's face when I told him it was just a bit. He goes, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. we're not going to Celine Dion." He said he knew five songs off the top of his head right that away. Surprise! Actually, it didn't surprise me. That, that's par for the course for Mark, for sure. Um, a welding company in Colorado tried to pay a twenty-three thousand five hundred dollars settlement in loose change. <laughs> now they might have to cover an extra seven thousand dollars in legal fees because of this stunt. Here is uh, a lawyer talking about her client receiving the payment in change. At first, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And then we had to go through the logistics. Again, it's showing you pennies, quarters, dimes. In our pleadings, we called it the figurative middle finger, just to acquire that many took effort. But then to open them all up and dump them into a container, that is not just trying to pay a bill. You okay with them trying to pay their fees in coins, $23,000 worth in loose change? I am. I am okay with this. It's that level of petty that I can relate to, first of all. And second of all, either it's currency or it's not. And last time I checked, coins in this country were still currency. Like if somebody wanted to drop off, what was it, $23,500 worth of pennies to my house, I'll take it. I will absolutely go to the bank and get the $23,500 worth of pennies put into my account. It's either currency or it's not. You might not like it. I don't know what kind of bad blood went on here to warrant paying that kind of money in change. <laughs> but last time I checked, the government says that's money. I'm okay with this 100%. Okay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the hotline and bring on investigative columnist for the Daily Signal, Tony Kennett, one of the best. Tony, uh, again, to start off, when is your new show, your new nightly show here on WIBC? When does that start? Starts on November 6th with all of the pomp and circumstance that you would expect. The live stream is going to be hopping. Yeah. We've got all kinds of good stuff coming and going when it comes to that show, so you're not going to want to miss it. And you got a terrific lead in, i got to tell you. Right? Oh, I, the best of the business. <laughs> so, November 6th, starting at 7 o'clock. What's it called officially? 
the Tony Kinnett cast. Tony and that's Kinnett called cast, cast because it's both a broadcast and a podcast. Right on. All right. Any number of places we could start. Uh, I think it's been some I think it's been 18 days since the massacre, the terrorist attack in Israel by Hamas. So we'll just I just want to start with your overall thoughts about how that war in Israel is unfolding. What are you seeing? Why has the ground invasion into Gaza been delayed? Um, and and then maybe we can transition into some of the reactions from colleges and universities and celebrities here in the United States. Absolutely. So, as everyone remembers, the attack was incredibly brutal. It involved murdering yes. children in their homes in front of their parents, according to a lot of the horrific footage. Uh, filmed by Hamas as they were doing it from GoPros that those uh, animals were wearing as they broke into houses and they, they raped women and children and they killed, slaughtered, tortured children in front of their parents. Absolutely horrible stuff. And they were not saying we're here to defeat Zionism. They, they were on film saying we are here to kill as many Jews as possible. And the first place that they assaulted, by the way, was a pro two-state solution, pro-kind-of-Palestinian music festival, a peace rally. So it wasn't about killing uh, Zionists, it was about killing Jews. And ever since then, everyone has kind of started slowly walking back to that, well, both sides are really at fault here, and it's such a troubled history there. And you hear this from Biden's White House, Israel really needs to remember the laws of war, and the United (laughs) States needs to be careful that... That we don't desist into Islamophobia like after 9-11. And you hear this from everyone. From Karine Jean-Pierre, you hear this from Biden, this lecturing like, we're the ones who need to be lectured. You know, Israel needs to, because if you let those Jews defend themselves, oh, it's going to be genocide and massacre and whatever. And AOC got out there and, and Rashida Tlaib got out there and they lectured Israel for cutting off its supply of electricity and power to northern Gaza, which, by the way, Israel only contributes 5 to 10 percent total of that region's electricity and water. So everything was basically still running, except, you know, AOC's crying in the parking lot over Israel not supplying water and electricity to people who were celebrating in the streets that Hamas had brought home raped and savaged hostages, including American citizens, into yeah. Israel. And now this is just what floors me. You have Karim Jean-Pierre and Biden telling me that I need to be careful that I don't embrace Islamophobia. Do you remember right after George <laughs> Floyd was killed and how all over the country, radical black activists that were that were BLM activists, progressives were running around saying all white people are bad. All white people have privilege. All white people have white supremacy. We are all oppressors. Yes. Yeah. OK, yeah. so. Strangely, though, now this doesn't apply. So you you look at the Israel situation and you have all of these pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas protests around the country. All of a sudden, it's not okay to say, you know, all types of of Muslim people that say that they want to kill Jews. They're not, you know, really need to be careful of the Islamophobia here. You don't want (laughs) to, you know, I don't remember Biden coming out after George Floyd and saying, well, remember, guys, all lives matter. You don't. You don't see that. There is an incredible double standard here at play, which is whenever this this green Muslim axis with red Marxist axis, whenever they get hurt, they're the first to say, we're the ultimate victim. Just remember, don't be Islamo homophobic. Don't do anything bad. Remember, you remember the rules of war. 
Meanwhile, 1,500 Jews, including women and children, have been raped and shot and burned alive over in Israel. And everyone expects them not to attack. And, oh, don't, don't go a ground war in. You don't want to fight a war over the... That's not how it works. If, if you get hit, you punch back 10, 10 times as hard. That's how you win a fight. And why do, are you surprised Israel hasn't gone in yet? Well, I feel like they have to kind of delay because they went and talked to the president. And the first thing that the president of the United States did while clambering up the stairs awkwardly to Air Force One was turn around to the journalists and reveal half of Israel's strategy for the ground invasion to the media, which you're kind of not supposed to do in like very quiet backroom conversations about military strategy, the kind of strategy that's going to determine how many people are alive or dead. And the president of the United States in his dementia-ridden state is blabbering about the Israeli military strategy so bad that the Department of Defense immediately had to start walking it back and doing damage control. And I don't blame Israel wow, for yeah. delaying the ground invasion. It's, yeah, you, you, this is something you can't just walk in there. Invasion. You can't just – it's got to be a slow, methodical process, especially with all the, the spider web of miles of tunnels underneath, the, uh, underneath Gaza. Well, it has to be a slog because Hamas refuses to stop hiding behind human shields. So people will say, well, Israel would be responsible if they leveled the area. No, Israel told everyone to evacuate to southern Gaza. And yet Hamas has literally been holding up its own citizens at gunpoint, telling them, if you leave, we will shoot. Because they want Israel to be forced to kill Palestinian civilians when fighting Hamas. I hear these chants all across the country. Even right here, there's been a few pro-Palestinian demonstrations on Monument Circle. I, I hear free Palestine a lot. I chant that over and over again. I'm thinking, yeah, free Palestine from Hamas. That is the problem. It's not Israel. Yeah, they won't say that. None of them will condemn Hamas. I was down on Monument Circle. I asked protester after protester, do you condemn Hamas? You know, do you support Palestinian people governing themselves, not governing Hamas? And they won't do it. And by the way, the people in Palestine are overwhelmingly supportive of Hamas. Every poll that we run, every poll that we analyze, people are very in support of Hamas. They were elected back in 2006 and 2007. And the people have over-enthusiastically supported Hamas, staying in power as one of these client states of Iran Mm -hmm. and their genocidal regime. I mean, Palestine's government and the overwhelming support of the majority is Hamas. It is. Speaking with just the fact. Speaking with Tony Kennett back here on the homeland, it's interesting. I saw an article up on the Daily Signal with the with the headline: "Donors pull support after Harvard and UPenn fail to condemn Hamas and the terrorist attacks." Are you seeing? Somewhat of a pushback of corporations and donors for these pro-Palestinian havens that are the well, uh, the Ivy League schools. It's really what the pro-Palestinian havens, the pro-Hamas havens, yes. have formed themselves as. And, and in the United States, that's Black Lives Matter. So Black Lives Matter chapters all over the country, including a few national chapters, had put out statements saying that what the Palestinians are going through is exactly the same as the black oppression in the United States, which is just the absolute stupidest thing that anyone's ever posted on social media um, other than reproductive justice equals free Palestine, which that might be dumber. But yeah, that that was a poster in a Chicago protest this last weekend. Okay, But anywho, so there are all of these organizations, many of which are rooted in universities, 
all of these companies and universities had been supporting in 2020. Remember Coca-Cola had that big, huge Black Lives Matter message, and that was a huge part of their branding for a while. Sure. Well, Coca-Cola has just quietly removed all of the Black Lives Matter stuff from its website and all of its social media. Because the Black Lives Matter chapters have revealed that they're just a bunch of Jew-hating, Christian-hating, everyone that isn't black-hating organizations. And, and hating people that are black as well, you know, if you don't subscribe to the same kind of insane nonsense that came up out of the 70s and the 80s. So here we are where you have these donors, many of whom are Jewish, many of whom are Christian, many of whom don't believe in this kind of insane rhetoric who are wondering, you know, wait a minute, why am I giving half a billion dollars to Harvard if Harvard won't even protect my family members on campus? You know, you have situations in New York, situations in Illinois, South Carolina, Texas, California, in which Jewish students on campuses are being followed around by individuals from these pro-Palestinian groups, a lot of them not United States citizens. And these donors are wondering why they're giving money. I mean, that's what happened at UPenn, so they're just pulling out. Because why fund an organization that hates you? It's it's stunning to me to see the the images of these pro-Hamas supporting idiots walking around campuses and tearing down um, the the photos of missing people that are being held hostage and or uh, possibly dead in Israel. Have you seen that? I have. And, and the question that I would ask the rest of the country is, hey, remember when individuals were running around the country, students were walking out of classrooms saying there is so much horrible black oppression in the United States. And if you even question why a black person in this police situation was shot, that makes you a vehement white supremacist. All of a sudden, the rules have changed and the rules have changed and the goalposts have shifted because it is politically convenient for the progressive millennials generation Z, which is really the main driving force of this crowd, because the older you get in the United States right now, the more you support uh, Israel and you support defeating anti-Semitism. But the younger crowds of progressives, all of a sudden the rules change because it's politically expedient to. It is classic Marxism. It is straight out of history, and it's disturbing to watch. Your background, Tony, of course, is in education. Uh, you worked for IPS, and you were a STEM administrator. I wanted to get your take, and you also exposed critical race theory being taught at IPS, which, by the way, which was one of the reasons why you were no longer there. Here's the headline out of Oregon. The state of Oregon cans high school writing, reading, and math requirements to legally graduate, citing harm to students of color. So basically, um, (laughs) Oregon is joining the list of states dumbing down education. Apparently, math and reading and writing are no longer requirements to graduate. Now, this is a thing that I've dealt with before. Uh, It was one of the last things that I reported on before I left IPS, in which Indiana University was being brought in to basically condemn our math standards because they they were too racist. Because the idea is, if you have a large amount of black students that are failing, the problem is not whether or not they have a good home life. The problem is not whether or not they have access to good education materials. The problem must be that the standards are racist, because why else would a student fail unless someone was being racist against them? Now, of course, the data actually says that it's how many parents you have at home. The data says that it's the economic factors of, of income areas and socioeconomic factors that determine how likely you are to succeed. But it's easier, as Gloria Ladson Buildings put, to just blame it on race. So Oregon is the latest state to do this for five years. 
they're going to suspend math, reading, and writing requirements in order to graduate, which I don't know about you, but I kind of thought that was the whole point of school, I know. to make sure a kid could read, write, and do math. And it's, like you said in your headline, it's, it's soft bigotry of, of low expectation. Absolutely. So there's this idea that a lot of progressive Karens have that they say, (laughs) well, black people could never get an ID. That's why voter ID laws are racist, because it's a lot of work to require a voter ID law. So that's kind of a a subsequent field to this. And that's the idea of, of bigotry. Oh, you're saying black and Hispanic people aren't smart enough to go get an ID. You know, like when Biden would say, you know, not just the not just the uh, the rich kids, but the black kids. Yes. Tony, what are you working on on the Daily Signal? Uh, We contacted a Manhattan school that has refused to release information regarding a Jewish student that was attacked by pro-Palestinian kids. And uh, they decided to throw up the, oh, we can't tell you anything because of FERPA, which is a federal law about education rights and privacy. That's not what that law is for. And not only has that school done that, but schools like South Madison, Pendleton, they've pulled that crap. And a lot of schools do it. It's not how the law works. And we're going to expose it. Tony Kennett, Daily Signal, at the Tonus on Twitter X. Tony, have a great week. Thanks, man. You too. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.